We're going to take a break from our studies in 2 Thessalonians because the Lord is moving in my heart and I believe in, in our church in some distinct ways that I want to talk about. While they're handing these out, I'm going to share something that uh, took place uh, within the last couple of weeks. We had um, uh, got an email from Pastor Rob Verdian, who's the, the senior pastor at Calvary Corvallis, inviting us to... Uh, bring some teams down and to take a look at what they're doing with their week of fasting and prayer. And um, and so we decided, you know, let's do that. So we had a couple of groups go down. Uh, and and uh, one of the things that I've been praying for, especially in this last year, as we've seen the Lord growing our church and, and you know, going to two services and, and just uh, uh, some wonderful things going on in the body is, is, Lord, are there some things that you want us to take on? Are there things that we could do that will increase our devotion to you, things that we could do that would be beneficial to us individually and as a church? And so I've been praying. I started praying, Lord, we're going to go down here and we're going to, we've been invited to just come in to sit in and on this week of fasting and prayer with uh, Calvary Corvallis and and I started praying for, Lord, if there, if that's what you want to do, then you know, I'm just praying for vision for that. What I didn't realize at that moment was that God would literally give me a vision <laughs> for that. And I'm not a big vision guy. I, I don't, I, I don't get into woo-woo a lot. I, I mean, I, generally when God gives me a vision, I pay attention. It was a vision that the Lord gave my wife and I, what, uh, 11 years ago that ended us up here in, in Newburgh. I mean, it was a very distinct moment in our lives where he gave us vision and the clarification, confirmation, all that. So I'm sitting there in the prayer room at Calvary Corvallis. Uh, now, understand, it's, this is a big church. It's 50 acres is their campus. And uh, like I said, when we go to the men's uh, conference next month, there, I think last month, or last year, there were like 800 guys there, something like that. I mean, it's a big place. And so we're sitting in their prayer room, which is larger than our church. <laughs> Just get an idea of scale. And I'm praying and, and we're getting ready to go out into the main sanctuary with the people. And the Lord gave me this wonderful vision that was very, um, very special for me. And I was thinking about it. It's like, here we are, Lord. We're this little church and, 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 I, and size does not come into factor. And yet I'm looking at it, it's like we're a small fellowship and, and, and yet we've come down to this big church and wondering, you know, Lord, is there something here for us? And, and what the Lord showed me is, is like, reach your hands into the fire of God here and gather some of the embers from that fire and then take them back to Newburgh, take them back to our fellowship here. And then, and what is being in the fulfillment of that is what I'm doing at this moment and then hold those embers up and invite me to breathe fresh fire into the fellowship there. And so that's what we're doing this morning. We're going to launch something that it'll be a several week endeavor. And we're going to look at uh, going into a week of fasting and prayer here at our church beginning on February 18th and going through the 24th. Now, if you are not a fasting type person, hold on, <laughs> we'll get to that. We're going to talk about there are very clearly different ways that we can fast. In the Bible, yeah, it was it was abstain from food. That's what the word literally means in Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament. It, it means no food. However, uh, there are lots of things that compete for our attention in our life and in our world. And uh, one of the things I've thought about, too, is that I've, I've, I've thought about this often, about what a blessing it would have been to be one of those disciples or one of the people that was following Jesus back in the first century. Yeah, because when these guys wanted to go somewhere, they didn't hop on a bus or a plane. They walked. And they didn't have the phone ringing. They didn't have social media. They didn't have all of the clutter that we have in our lives, in our in our modern world. And, and I've thought often about one of the things, I, I think that these guys were inspired by God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, because they had a lot of quiet. If they wanted to go somewhere, it might have been a three-day journey for them to walk from Jerusalem to Galilee or, or the other way around. 
if they wanted to go down to Jericho or to go down to the Jordan River, it was a hike, especially going back because Jerusalem's up in the mountains. So my point is, is they had a lot of time to reflect on the things of God, a lot of time for the voice of God in their lives personally to be amplified. We don't get that a lot in our culture, in our lives. And that's what I want to talk about when I want to talk about fasting and prayer. Churches don't usually do teachings on fasting and prayer. It's not something that's common in our day, and it's kind of a shame. Uh, it's, it's, you're going to see as we go through God's word this morning that there is a lot to be said about this topic. And now, again, we're not going to talk, we're not going to limit it. We're not legalistic around here. We're not going to limit this to you got to stop eating and all of that. I mean, if that's how you want to fast, that's great. But there is going to be, I am inviting us as a church to get on board with this because I am absolutely convinced that God wants to do some things in our body individually and corporately as a church. So with that, we're going to look at here, we're going to look at uh, five things. We're going to look at the who, the what, the when, the why, and the how uh, of fasting and prayer. So the who, as far as that goes, who fasted and prayed. And I'm going to give you a bunch of Bible passages. You can follow along with the handout that you got, or you can hang on to that. That's yours to keep. Uh, to uh, go through and to, to do a deeper dive later on your own, however you want to do it. I'm going to move quickly through this because we've got a lot of material to cover, and uh, then we're going to partake of communion together towards the end of the service. So jumping right in, Moses fasted and prayed. In Exodus 34, we read, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write down these words, for in accordance with these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. As he wrote on the tablets, the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So we see that Moses fasted and prayed. Now David, King David, fasted and prayed. In Psalm 35, uh, we read, Yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. Uh, find that humility is a central aspect to fasting and prayer, coming before the Lord in an attitude of humility. Uh, verse, or the third one here is Jehoshaphat fasted and prayed. Some, uh, in Second Chronicles chapter 20, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hezazan Tamar, that is En Gedi, which is, by the way, a beautiful place. Been there a couple times. And alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Interesting. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So Jehoshaphat calls for a corporate fast. Uh, times where we have an individual or a personal fast, when a person decides to seek God individually through fasting and prayer. However, there are also times when a, a group of God's people uh, are called to fast together as a community. Now, that's part of what we're implementing in the next several weeks here. So going on here in Second Chronicles, uh, in chapter 20, uh, our God, verse 12, our God, will you not judge then? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So we see here, when he says we don't know what to do, that that's something that we often face in our lives. Often we are faced with choices, things that come up in our lives that where we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do when it comes to, as I've got here, career choices, kids, grandkids, finances, anxiety, depression, crisis, and, and so on. Uh, the list is endless because each of us face things, don't we? And there are times where we need to seek the Lord earnestly for resolution, for answers, for understanding, for insight, the things that we go through. The fourth one here is Ezra fasted and prayed. Ezra, the priest. He says, there by the Ahava Canal, I pro proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from enemies on the road. 
because we had told the king, the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. So we see that God answers people's prayers as they humble themselves and pray and fast. Again, this is foreign to our understanding in most of the church in our day. It is certainly not foreign to the heart of God and is certainly not foreign to the biblical narrative. Uh, very powerful things going on here. The fifth one here is Nehemiah. Personally fasted and prayed. In Nehemiah chapter 1, he says, When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. That's when Nehemiah was praying about, would you have me be the one, the cupbearer to the king, would you have me be the one to go back to rebuild the walls of the shattered Jerusalem? Nehemiah also called for corporate fasting and prayer. Uh, we see in chapter 9 of Nehemiah, on the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter in confession and in worshiping the Lord their God. So when we look here, we see that the book of Nehemiah Nehemiah is a definitive biblical example of revival. We talk about revival in Christian circles a lot. And, you know, I I come from an era where, you know, when you think about revival, you think about a tent with a a preacher with a thin tie, you know, and, and screaming at everybody. That's not what we're talking about. Revival comes about, folks, when one heart at a time is revived in the Lord. And revival is central to what can take place as we fast and pray before God, as we humble ourselves before him. Um... Fasting, prayer, confession, getting right with God, spending extra time reading, hearing from him uh, as he speaks to us through his word. Seventh one here, Esther called for corporate fasting and prayer. Uh, In Esther chapter 4, it says that Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go and gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And if you read the book of Esther, you know that she didn't perish. She got favor. She received favor from the king and was able to prevail, even against the schemes of the adversary, was able to prevail on behalf of her people. Started with fasting and prayer. Number eight, Daniel, the prophet fasted and prayed. He says, while I was speaking, Daniel 9 here, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Going into Daniel chapter 10, he says, I ate no choice food, uh, nor meat, nor wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. That was the three weeks that he was seeking the Lord during that time. Further in chapter 10, he says, He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up. For I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued and said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since for the first, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come to in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So understand here, folks, fasting is a forgotten spiritual weapon. It is a powerful weapon. 
most Christians don't fast. Most Christians will attend churches their entire Christian life without hearing a teaching on fasting. Um, fasting is a weapon for fighting in the spiritual realm, and that we've that, and we live in the midst of that realm. We've got to understand the things that are unseen. There's an unseen realm that we're reaching into as we fast and pray. Most of us are, are really oblivious to that. Number nine, Josiah fasted and prayed. Uh, actually, this is Josiah's son. <laughs> In the ninth month of the fifth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, a time of fasting before the Lord was proclaimed for all the people in Jerusalem and those who had come from the towns of Judah. Number 10, the king of Nineveh. Now getting into Gentile territory here, not just the Jews. Now this is a Gentile guy. Uh, the king of Nineveh also called for a corporate fasting and prayer. In Jonah chapter 3, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, now, how would you like to have Jonah's job? I mean, this guy had a peculiar calling on his life. His, his, he was appointed, I mean, the reluctant prophet, right? He did not want to go. His job, God said, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to walk around the city. I mean, the city would be like, it was, the, it was like the largest geographical city of its day. It took days to walk across. And all I want you to do is to walk through the city saying, in 40 days you're going to die. Great ministry. <laughs> so here's Jonah, I mean, and he resisted. And we know all about you know, being in the belly of the fish and all of that. Well, he comes and his, his cry for repentance reaches the king of Nineveh, it says that he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, sat down in the dust. And this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. And this is fascinating. By decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with his, and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And if you understand, if you know biblical history, that's what happened. You don't need to be a spiritual giant to fast. The king of Nineveh, he was, he had not known the God of Israel for very long. <laughs> when, I mean, he got to know him real quick when it looked like his whole nation was going to get wiped out. But uh, he put out a call for fasting and prayer. It led to one of the greatest revivals that you see in God's word. Huge revival broke out. Number 11, Anna, getting into the New Testament here, Anna fasted and prayed. In Luke chapter 2, it says there was a prophet, prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she'd lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at the very moment, uh, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child, which is Jesus, to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Number 12, Jesus fasted and prayed. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. I guess so. Uh, amazing. Uh, I, boy, I could launch on that and I'm not going <laughs> to. Going on in Luke chapter 4, that after he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Uh, it says that we're, he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So understand, folks, there's a direct connection between the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer and fasting. There is definitely a connection there. Number 13, the disciples failed to fast and pray. Fascinating. It says, and I've wondered about this ever since I read this and studied this years and years and years ago. And yet, I, I, there's something here, folks. It says that the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Why, Jesus? Why wouldn't... He's talking, they're talking about a demonic manifestation. He replied, because you have so little faith. 
Truly, I tell you that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Interesting. So some warfare that we do, folks, there is a spiritual realm and there's a real battle and there is a real enemy. And some of the warfare that we do can only be accomplished through fasting and prayer. There's some strongholds that can only be broken in that way. Understand that. Uh, It's a powerful weapon. And the church, by and large, has lost that weapon. Let's reclaim some victory. Let's reclaim some ground here in the spiritual realm as we go forward. Number 14, the church at Antioch fasted and prayed. We were in the book of Acts a few months ago. And we see the great apostle Paul and Barnabas, when he goes to go on his first journey, very first, he had not gone out to do anything. And yet here, at the very beginning of the the great apostle Paul's journeys, at the very beginning of his ministry, we read in Acts 13, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. People earnestly desire to know what God's calling on their life is. However, what people miss is that God's calling upon our lives is often connected to prayer and fasting. Uh, the question is, why don't churches fast anymore? And I think that that's a good question. I'll tell you, there was just a, there was a, 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 that moment in the prayer room at Calvary Corvallis when the Lord gave me that vision. It, it, I, I, I discovered in that moment is like, it, it was such a powerful moment for me, folks, is like, I can't not lead our church in this direction. And I thought, other brothers that I respect in, in our fellowship and talk with them. And we're excited. We're very excited about what God is doing and uh, responding to his call. I believe that this is a call from God for us. I truly do. So the early church, finally here, the 15th item in Acts 14, uh, they, the early church fasted and prayed. And, and folks, when we look at where do we get our faith and practice from, part of the litmus test for that is you say, okay, did Jesus talk about it? Did he practice it? Yes, he did. We looked at that. Jesus fasted and prayed. Another thing that we look at is, did the early church practice it? And we see here, yes, indeed, they did. We saw that in Antioch, they practiced that. And here in the book of Acts 14, we read that Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So as Paul and Barnabas went about and they were planting churches throughout the region, they used prayer and fasting as part of bringing these people into a place of leadership in the churches to which they were appointed. That was a very powerful thing that they were doing on the front end before any ministry took place. These men were committed to fasting and prayer. Uh, quote here, we want the results that the early church had without the discipline. And, and that's often that's true. So uh, that's the who. Now let's look at the what. Going to continue to move quickly here. And we're going to get very practical here in just a few minutes. But I want to look at the what. What is fasting and prayer? The first thing we look at is fasting is for the Lord. Uh, Zechariah chapter 7 Uh, We read that the word of the Lord Almighty came to me, ask all the people of the lands and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? And when you were eating and drinking, drinking, were you not just feasting for yourselves? What was the motive of your heart is what's being said there. Were you doing that for the Lord or were you doing that for you? Were you doing that because... It was some religious ritual that you felt inclined to do. And folks, we need to be clear in our own hearts that fasting is something that we do for the Lord. The second thing here is that fasting literally means no food. Again, checked it in the original in the Hebrew, checked it in the Greek, it means no food. However, (laughs) 
it goes way beyond that, and we'll get to that. I'm tempted to get ahead of myself here, but I want to stick to this. Uh, the third thing here is fasting is saying no to food and yes to God. Fasting is saying, God, I'm going to say no to eating for a time. What do you want me to say yes to? Interesting. It's saying, I love you. I'm hungry for you, God. I'm hungry for for your power in my life. I want you more than I want food or more than I want that thing. We're going to talk about that thing here in a minute. Fasting is also, and this is a central part of why we fast, it's denying the physical in order to speak, to seek the spiritual. As I mentioned, there is so much that makes noise in our lives. And I'm not talking about those as being bad things. We're busy. I'm busy. I have to, I'll tell you what, in order for me to have the time to study, to be able to come before you and to be able to effectively fulfill my ministry, I have to literally get alone with the Lord. I have to literally get and and just turn off the noise and and get that time between me and the Lord. I'm blessed. I I tell people kind of tongue in cheek, I get to do this. And I'm blessed to be able to do this. But this isn't just for pastors. This is for all of us to be able to get time alone, to, to, to turn down the noise in our lives. Number five, fasting can involve saying no to things that we enjoy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, talking about married couples, very clearly, obviously, he says, don't deprive each other of sexual intimacy, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Talking about saying no to those things that we enjoy, saying no to anything, really, that has got a voice in my life. Uh, although fasting in Scripture is almost always pertaining to food, there are other ways to fast. Anything given up temporarily in order to focus our attention on God can be considered a fast. Again, we're not legalistic around here. We're not saying you got to do this. You got to, you know, you got to set. We're gonna and and next week we're gonna we have a handout we're gonna do next week that will give different kinds of fasts and and. Yeah, it covers a food fast, but it also covers a whole bunch of other things that you can do to turn down the noise, to turn down the volume on those things in your life that are perhaps drowning out the voice of God. I'm getting ahead of myself again, but let's keep going here. Um, In 1 Corinthians 7, he says, don't deprive yourself of sexual intimacy. And then he also goes into... What we have here is examples of that, not just sex, but exercise, television, media, technology, coffee, sugar, phones, etc. I, you know, I look at, I was at, the, we were at the men's breakfast yesterday, and I announced this yesterday that we were going to be looking at this, and I don't know why, and maybe there was some guy there, I said, it might be Fox News. <laughs> and I thought, well, that was a weird example, but it might be Fox News. It might be something else. It might be YouTube. that You play YouTube videos constantly or whatever it is. Whatever competes for the voice of God in your life. That's the point. Now here at the bottom of page five, there's a little graphic here. And it, it this is what, if you were able to go up to where Brian is with the soundboard up there, you would see that there's a whole bunch of these little slider switches that are there. And, and, that's what this graphic represents. It's like on a soundboard, what we do is there are channels. Each one of these things up here and each voice is on a different channel. All right. You've got a voice for Jennifer, a channel for Jennifer's voice, a channel for Thomas's voice, a channel for Dennis's voice, a channel for the keyboard, a channel for the guitar, and so on. All right. So using that as a graphical representation of the things that compete for our attention, We see here that those could represent work or family or chores or money, health, sports, media, news, anxiety, play, school, social, social media, social interaction, whatever. And looking across on this thing, all of those things are turned up. And you see this last one over here on the right, God's voice by default is turned down talks about clipping here. I'm not going to go into that a lot, but one of the things that's true with with sound is that 
the and I love what these guys do. What Brian does is is he's able to mix the sound to where it actually sounds decent coming out of the speakers up here in front when we worship, or here. I mean, uh, we do sound checks every time. So, and what it is is to mix all of those to where we have something that comes out that is actually you know it's pleasant and it's enjoyable and it's worshipful. It's not a distraction. If he turned everything all the way up. You would not want to come back and worship here. I'm telling you, it would be a mess because there's a thing called clipping. And I'm not going to go into that. It's just basically you get to a certain volume and past that it's just noise. So remember, um, (laughs) it says here, most people are clipping in life with every dial turned to the max, causing so much distortion and noise that they can't hear God's voice. Remember, fasting is about turning down as many dials as possible, so we can turn God's voice in our lives up. That's the principle here. That's the greater principle. In the Old and New Testaments, they did that with food, and that is a good way to do it, because your body wants to crave the food. And when you shut that off, then you're heightening yourself, your senses, you're heightening your senses to the spiritual realm. Okay? But if that's something else, I heartily recommend identifying what that is. It could be any number of things. What calls your name? What do you look at? What in your life has got your attention? And that's where we're going to take a whole week. I'll tell you, during this week, between the 18th and the 24th, we are pausing every one of the ministries at this church. All right? Uh, we are not going to have a Tuesday morning women's study. We're not going to have a Thursday night men's study. We're not going to be doing the online stuff. None of that is going to be taking place. We've got a couple of home groups now that are meeting, and they're going to pause as well, Harvey's, Darren's. And uh, like I said, after we're finished with this week, then we're going to launch all of our home groups. When that when they fire back up, we're going to have a bunch of them. And next week, like I said, we'll have a sign-up. But we're going to pause everything as a church so that we can focus on this one thing. Because even in busy ministry life, there are a lot of things that we could be busy about, and they're good things. Like I said, I'm not saying any of this is bad. I am saying, though, that if it makes so much, takes so much of my attention in my life on a daily basis, that it could be pulling from the attention that I could give to God. And I think that this is a wonderful discipline for us to be engaged in. So going on here to the what. what Again, continue with the what. What fasting and prayer is not. Okay, The first one here is fasting and prayer is not to be righteous. This does not make you more spiritual. I promise. <laughs> we are utterly reliant upon the grace of God. And, you know, I believe that we have been given all of God that we're ever going to get. I do believe that. At the moment of my salvation, he filled my account to an inexhaustible, overflowing amount of grace, his presence, all of it. You want to know what the issue is? Me. It's not more of God. It's less of me. It's, it's Lord, I've got to decrease so that you can increase. John the Baptist had it right. And so as we're doing this, the discipline is turn it down on the things pertaining to me, turn it up on the things pertaining to him. I want to hear his voice. Does he speak audibly? No. Come and see me after the service if he's doing that with you because we need to talk. But he does speak by his spirit, through his word, profoundly and in a clarity that I want for us to enjoy and embrace because he does. He never speaks to us contradictory to his word. That's true. I mean, he's, he's not the author of confusion, but he does want to speak, and he wants to speak to you. He wants to work in your heart. He wants to deepen your walk. He wants to get you in a place where there is less of you and more of him in your life going forward. That's the purpose of this. And I'm, I cannot tell you when I have been more excited about putting forth a ministry in our church. Uh, someone came to me between the services, and they said, you know, Pastor... Uh, this is somebody that was in first service, and, and they said, I really think that this is the time to do this in our church. I said, you want to know something? I absolutely agree. It's time. 
you know, we're not, we're not out here putting on, we're not playing games. We're not trying to set ourselves apart as being some more spiritual bunch than somebody else. What we are doing is saying we're going to create time. We're going to take a week of our lives and we're going to set it apart. And we're going to turn down the noise in all of those areas so that we can turn him up in our lives. And I guarantee you, we do that as a church, we will see powerful things happen. We do that individually. There will be things that God reveals to us. I'll tell you, I am very, very excited about what's going on. So it's not to be righteous. It's not a hunger strike. It's not a diet. Not about health benefits, and there might be some. I'll tell you what, if I didn't eat for a week, there'd be health benefits. <laughs> I like to eat. Understand, too, be wise. If you want to get on board with this, be wise. If you have health issues, or if you're on some kind of medication, or something like that, don't do this and presume upon God and, <clears throat> and take unnecessary risks. There are ways that you can fast. There are ways that you can turn down the noise without doing it in a way that's harmful to you. So be careful and be wise. Uh, okay, so here's the when. <laughs> when we fast and pray. Uh, some Just some parameters here. Fasting should be limited to a set time, especially when we're fasting from food. Uh, this isn't about us doing some foodless marathon. Uh, our season of fasting and prayer at the Metropolitan Tabernacle Church, this is Charles Spurgeon here talking, have been high days indeed. Never has heaven's gate stood wider and never have our hearts been nearer the central glory. I love that quote. When we fast, we shouldn't be drawing attention uh, to ourselves uh, or to what we're doing. I, I love in the Sermon on the Mount, I'll summarize here from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, you know what? And I'm paraphrasing here. He says, don't go out there and, and like show everybody how spiritual you are by, you know, looking all gaunt and, oh, I'm fasting and I might make it through the day. You know, that's not a, that's not it at all. He said, don't, don't practice those things to be noticed by people. And yeah, I'm exaggerating, but it's not about that. It's not about being seen. It's about what God's doing in the in the in, inward parts. It's what He's doing in your heart. You know, I, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna shower and shave like I do every day. I just gonna have some things going on. So the third thing here, as far as when, is to be intentional. Is there any way that you can clear your schedule now? We're giving you two weeks' notice. <laughs> Seriously, and I, I'm not. You may or may not be able to you know, commit chunks of time from work or, or, or that. I, we understand that. But it's not about figuring out what you can't do. It's figuring out what you can do. It's about figuring out what does that look like in my schedule, in my life. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do as a church. As I mentioned, we're pausing all of our services that week and um, excited because we're going to open this place up. We're going to open it up Beginning in two weeks from tonight, we'll open the place up at 6.30 in the evening. Now, our worship leaders have committed to giving us a, a time for worship each time we open the church, morning and night. And uh, we, we probably won't do extended you know, worship sets, but we will be having a time to worship and settle our hearts. And, and then we're going to pray together. And we're going to pray as a church. We're going to pray for one another. Uh, just a time to get real with the Lord. So we're going to do that Sunday night, and then Monday um, the 19th through Saturday the 24th, we're going to open the church at 6 a.m. Yeah, you heard me. <laughs> Somebody else is going to... No, I'm, no I'm planning to come down. And we're going to open it at 6 a.m. Before your day gets started, before you get engaged in the things that you might have to do, we're going to open the doors at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we're inviting you to come. Come and, and pray with us. And then at 6.30 that night, we're going to open the doors again. Come, pray with us. Come and be a part of this thing that God is doing in our fellowship. Now, one of the things I want to mention is that we're not letting the middle of the day out. 
For logistical reasons, it's not practical for us to open the church up in the middle of the day. For one thing, there's a business behind us that's got people coming in and out and all that. But I do want to strongly encourage you that if you're doing this, uh, that you schedule a time for personal prayer, a time to just get alone with the Lord in the middle of the day at home or at work or wherever you are, somewhere around noon or so. Again, <laughs> your time may vary. But commit yourself to that. This is a spiritual discipline. And and yeah, we roll with grace around here. That's fine. That doesn't mean that there's not a place for spiritual disciplines. And that's what this is. It's a wonderful spiritual discipline. And again, I couldn't be more excited about it. So the last thing here is the why. Why fast and pray? Why would you want to be a part of this week that we have coming up? Got a number of things here, and, and this, again, your mileage may vary. This may not be the things that are why in your life, but here's a number of them. And it's simply to ask for help from God. Are you struggling? Is there an area or areas in your life that you're wrestling with? Are you grieving? Are you, do you need His touch? Um, that's one way, or one reason why. Another is, is a way to humble ourselves before God. Folks, if, if you are in a place where you're thinking, well, yeah, maybe that's for them. Let me, let me assure you, that's for you. Especially if your attitude is that's for them. <laughs> there's a place where true humility comes into play here. And there's not, it doesn't matter where you're at in your walk. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't, none of that matters. What matters is that you come with an attitude of doing business with God humbly. The Bible tells us that he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. You may be looking for direction in your life. Also to understand this is a powerful weapon in the spiritual realm. You may be in crisis or being dealing with a, a number of crises in your life. Uh, and, and going through trials, challenges. Perhaps you have some critical decisions to make, either in the short term or the longer term, and you're seeking the Lord for those things. This is a wonderful time to come, to set that time aside, to seek Him. Perhaps you're in sin, and I say this in love and sincerely, and perhaps that sin is not overt. Perhaps it's just really not caring that much about the things of God. Perhaps you're in a place where you're in rebellion towards God. Repentance is a beautiful thing. Repentance is the the means through which we can become current with him in a moment in time. Uh, I've shared this saying many times from the pulpit. I'll share it again. I love what my friend said, a woman on the worship team in my church many, many years ago. No matter how many steps away from God you take, it's always only one step back. That's the essence of repentance. It means to turn. Maybe you're looking for answers. Do I do this? Do I do that? What about this thing that's been hanging on in my life? What, Lord, how should I, how should I go with this situation? Whatever it is. Another is personal revival. Personal revival. Now, I, yeah, you know, I, I think about, you know, when I would think about I come from an era where your know, revival was a, a you know some guy with a black suit and white shirt and a thin thin tie you know and screaming at everybody in a tent. <laughs> That's not revival. Revival comes one heart at a time. It, it's basically it means to be waking up. It means to be revived. It's like a glass of cold water in the face, and I'm not talking about it in a negative way, but it's a time of just a spiritual reawakening. That's revival. And it might be personal revival. I pray, and I pray all the time for corporate revival. I pray for revival, and God is doing it. It's not like it's going to happen. It's been happening. The last year in this fellowship has been a, a remarkable year for us. To see that we're doing the same thing we've always done, and yet God is increasing. God is bringing people in who are hungry for Him. He is, he is growing His church. He is impacting people's lives. Is a wonderful, wonderful thing that God's doing. So, corporate revival could be victory. Maybe you have been struggling. You've been wrestling with that thing. Maybe you're doubting God in some way. 
Maybe there's that thing that you have just been wrestling with and wrestling and wrestling with. You can't seem to get around it. You need victory. You need breakthrough. Perhaps things are just going great and you want to share. Praise God. In all of it, it's to seek God and to hear from God. So lastly, how do we fast and pray? Uh, look at three types here. There's an absolute fast, no food or water. Don't recommend that. <laughs> I don't recommend that on a good day. Um, there are times where people, you know, it's like they jump in and they do crazy things thinking that, that that's the best course and it's not. I remember when I was in my 20s, I did a week-long fast and it was with, with water and I broke my fast with a whole package of hot dogs. And I was so sick. I know, I got some dirty looks on there. I guess like, ugh, hot dogs on, again, when you've been eating, it's one thing, but oh my goodness. Don't recommend it. <laughs> so the second thing here is a normal fast, and that's where people go without food. Uh, a partial fast. Now, and we're going, we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about anything that you use to turn down the noise. All of these different areas we're talking about. Uh, so a, part, a Daniel fast or, or a juice fast or any other thing. Uh, Daniel chapter 10, he says, I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until three weeks were over. In other words, they committed to it for a specific amount of time, and that's what it was. So pray about what you'll fast from. That's the point. It might not be food. You may not be in a place where that's comfortable for you at all. And, and of course, part of it is to be uncomfortable with the physical so that you're more tuned in to the spiritual. However, pray about what you'll fast from. It could be the same fast all week, or it could be a combination of types of fasts that fit your responsibilities, your schedule. This is open-ended. As you pray, remember that one question. And, and the thing I would invite you to do as you pray how can I turn the dials down? How can I turn down the noise? How can I, and I'm not saying we can transport ourselves back to the first century walking across Galilee or Judea or Samaria or any of that, but how can I set myself in a posture to where I've got the focus because I'm fasting in one form or fashion or another where to where my focus is sharpened on hearing the voice of God in my life. That's the key. Some quick questions. Uh, what if I take medications or have health issues? We covered that. Um, one here is, should kids fast? No. Uh, no, they, they, they shouldn't. Not from food. But, but, what I, and I know for my granddaughters, yeah, and it, this didn't even exist when I was a kid, they are limited with screen time. <laughs> it's like, their parents say, okay, screen time? That's up for grabs. And they're like, well, you know, and all that. But, I mean, that's one thing that you could do is you look at what is taking your kid's time. What is what is a louder voice in their life? What is something that they're consumed with? Encourage them to, to pull back on that. Seek the Lord. If I'm not fasting, now it says 7 p.m. here. I, I should have changed that to 6.30, but I missed my edits. Uh, fourth thing, if I'm not fasting, can I still come to the meetings to pray? Of course you can. Uh, of course. We, because we're, we're gonna be praying. And, and we want you to be a part of this at whatever level. That's between you and the Lord. Uh, however you decide that you wanna turn down the, the, the noise, that's up to you. We're going to make it available for you to come and be a part of this. And folks, I'll tell you what, one of the things that we see in God's word is, is where people come together and the sum of their efforts is greater than the individual parts. Now, there's a Greek word called synergos, and it's where we get the word synergy. And what synergy means is that the sum is greater than the, the, or the, that the outcome is greater than the sum of the parts. It truly is two plus two equals six <laughs> because what we see, because when God get, enters the equation and he starts pouring into that thing, we're going to see things that are going to, I believe, will really blow us away. I can't wait till we're on the other side of it and we're talking about 
what about what, what we saw? How did God impact my heart? What did he do in my circumstances? This is very exciting. So, yes, come and pray. Like I said, and come as often as you can. This is It's not a one-off. It's not, well, I went there on Monday, so I'm done. No, come as often as you can. Set aside time during that week. I can't encourage you enough. Nobody's going to beat you up if you're not. That's not the point. Nobody's taking role. But really, the blessing is there for you. Come. Be a part of this. Be a part of something bigger than us as we see God move and as we see him work in our hearts and lives. So as we wrap up, now we've got this, in the bottom of page eight, we've got, there's a, a thing here, it's a, 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 kind of a piece of pretty artwork that Jennifer put together. We're going to have these printed out and they'll be in small cardboard or small card stock. Uh, and those will get passed out next week. So you can put it on your fridge or, you know, plaster it on your forehead or whatever you want to do with it. Um, but we want to be able to have you have this schedule in front of you so that you know when we're going to be opened up and we're going to be going here. Consider again, church will be open in the morning and at night. Consider what that looks like for you individually, personally, personal discipline as far as the middle of the day, setting some time aside. Uh, and so that's between you and the Lord as well. So that's what we've got there. Let's pray and then we're going to come to the Lord's table and wrap this thing up. Father, we want to thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that for uh, the shared vision that you're giving us as a church. Lord, individually, as we take those embers of, of your fire and lift them up to you, Lord, we pray, breathe fresh fire into us individually. Breathe fresh fire into us as a church. Let us respond rightly to the call to prayer, the call to fasting. Lord, that as you know, and Lord, I'm confident that each one here, as we've been talking this morning, that you've already begun to put your hand on areas that need to have the volume turned down a bit for a time. And so as we do that, Lord, we pray that you would just orchestrate and that you would pour out your spirit in each life here. Lord, as we come together, that we can come together with an attitude of grace and humility and, and, and to see you work in our midst. That's our heart's desire, Father, to just be open to the moving of your spirit among us. So, Lord, we commit this to you. We pray that you would do great things exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think as we avail ourselves to your touch, to your voice in this crazy world that we live in. Thank you, Father, uh, for this divine call. Thank you that you're doing it. And we look to you for great things. We give ourselves afresh to you in Jesus' name. Amen.